So um, our passage this morning is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Um, And so while you're turning to that, um, let me just say that the Bible is central to everything we do, and we believe that this is God's primary way of speaking to us, um, his people, and it shapes everything we believe and do. Um, Therefore, when I have finished reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and we'll all respond together. Thanks be to God. Um, If you don't own a Bible and would like one, there's some sitting at that little cube in the back. Um, And if you don't have a Bible at all, please take that with you um, when you leave today. Um, So for now, let's hear the Lord speak to us from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. And when Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord for the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Caitlin. Morning, everybody. Good to see you. I was certainly fuller now than it was at the start. There was no one in the middle when I first came in and we started at half past. But um, if you don't know me, my name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at Village. I'm usually over in East. I've been over here a good bit more than, uh, than normal because obviously Andrew, you've seen him at the front. He's been recovering. I might be benched soon because it looks like he's kind of coming back soon so um but hopefully in the future i'll be back again i'm coming back again next week anyway so um and it was great to hear from jim there uh, just about mission um and just to even uh, to ground that i suppose in in a real life story of, of what's going on in his own life um with his own family at home um because that's what we're thinking about today and next week we're going to be thinking about mission what our mission is as a church, corporately, individually. Um, And we've spent these last four weeks um, in our Family Trait series thinking about um, those spheres, those core kind of foundational things that we have of gospel, community, and mission. First two weeks, we thought about uh, gospel abiding in Jesus, how everything that we do flows from our relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot Uh, produce any good fruit in the Christian life if we are not attached to Jesus Christ, to the branch. Um, We we are the the branches, he is the vine, and so we need to be attached to him. Um, And then from that, we flowed into our two weeks on community, thinking about generosity, growing in our generosity uh, as a church family, Um, knowing that all that we have comes from the Lord, and so therefore, uh, we want to be those who reflect his goodness his generosity to others, uh, and we want to grow in that and nurture that as a church family. And then these two weeks, we're going to think about mission. Um, and I'm excited to get to preach on this, to get us thinking about this. On, on Wednesday night, we're going to think a little bit more about um, the practicalities of our evangelism, our, our speaking of Jesus to others. I'm excited about getting to do that with you. And, and part of that is because, um, as Andrew said, I, I worked for Christians in Sport for about five years there before I came on staff at Village in January. Uh, and part of my role in coming on staff was to be able to, to teach, but also to help us think a little bit more about mission, our missional living as a church, our evangelism as a church. And so um, I'm excited to, to get to do this with you guys over here in South as well uh, and to help us think uh, about what our mission as a church really is. And that's where I want to start 
In the simplest terms, when we think about our mission as a church, we think of those verses in Matthew chapter 28 that Nathan explained. Jesus Christ, he comes to his disciples on a mountain in Galilee. He's died on the cross. He has risen to life again three days later. And this is his final sort of team talk to his disciples before he leaves this earth and he ascends to heaven to sit at the Father's right hand. Um, and, and he sends his disciples then out on a mission uh, to spread the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. Um, and here's what he says to them in verse 18 of Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's your mission as my disciples. In light of who I am, in light of the power and the authority that I possess, go, go from this place and make disciples. Make followers of me. Be my ambassadors in this world. Do it in the power of the Holy Spirit and knowing that I'm always with you and do it to the glory of the Father. That's the mission. Now, when I say that, I'm guessing that for most of us in the room, if, if we've been uh, a follower of Jesus for a while or if we've been involved in church, we'll have heard that before. We'll know what the mission is. Uh, but I'm not sure what kind of feelings will be evoked whenever we start talking about mission as a church. The thoughts that pop into your mind. Maybe for some of us this morning, there might be a feeling of guilt, maybe. You feeling like there could be more that you could be doing on this mission. Maybe there's fear. When you think of living for Jesus Christ and sharing him with others, you just are, are gripped by a sense of fear, seize up almost, because you don't know what to say often. You worry about what you would say if the conversation ever did come up. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's joy this morning, thankfulness to the Lord. There are conversations that you're having with people right now. There's relationships that the Lord has given to you where you feel like um, there are opportunities that God has given you. Opportunities to, to speak of him, to, to share the truth of the gospel with others, uh, to, to live alongside others and show them what life with Jesus actually looks like. Maybe there's joy as you think of mission. The truth is, whenever we start talking about mission, there's a plethora of different things, different feelings that we might have. And I think a lot of the time, whenever we think of mission, we can start to think of it almost like camping. Now, Andrew's turned his head to the side like most people are maybe doing in their minds, but whenever we say of camping, um, think, of, think of camping for a moment. It's, it's not the norm, is it? No one goes from here today and they head back out to the campsite to their tent that they've pitched that they stay in permanently. No one does that. Everyone goes back to their home, to the place that they live. And camping, it's like this set aside thing, isn't it? It's something that we do at special times of the year, maybe summertime. That's when we go camping, when the weather's nice, when things are good. And there are some people in this room, I'm guessing, that absolutely love camping. Who here loves camping? A few people, a few people love camping. There'll be other people who absolutely detest it, can think of nothing worse than pitching a tent, than getting themselves ready to head out to the campsite. Uh, 
Camping, it requires us to be prepared, doesn't it? You need to have the right tools. You need to have the right equipment to feel like you are prepared to camp. Camping, it is in some ways an uncomfortable thing. And maybe that's the way we think of mission. Living for Jesus, speaking of Jesus. We think of it like camping. Maybe we think of it like, like it's not the norm, like it's a special kind of a thing, a set-aside kind of thing that we do at certain times of the year, the summertime. That's when I do mission. Or maybe for some of us in, this, in the room, we absolutely love being missional. We love speaking of Jesus. And there are others in this room who, who really can think of nothing worse. Maybe uh, there are people in this room who you're feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to let those who enjoy camping to, to just go on ahead with it and crack on. And you, you feel the same when it comes to mission. I'm happy to let those people who are trained to do it, those people who are happy to do it, I'm happy to let them go ahead with it. But for me, it's just not for me. Maybe there's some of us who feel so ill-equipped when it comes to mission that that's what stops us from being missional, from speaking of Jesus or sharing him with others. Here's what I want to do in these two weeks as we think of mission, and on, and on Wednesday night as well. I would love us to, to think of mission less like camping and more like living in our home, more uh, normal than those set-aside times when we might go camping. Think of it as something that we're all involved in, not just for those people who enjoy it, that's the way I would love us to think about mission, because that's the reality. If we are a Christian this morning, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are on mission for Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus are disciple makers for Jesus in this world. That's the truth. That's what the Bible tells us. And I would love to, to bring us from that place of, of thinking of camping in certain, or thinking of camping, thinking of mission in certain ways and to normalize it, to make it the everyday, ordinary kind of living of our Christian lives. Now, we're looking um, this week at the why of mission. Before we jump into the how of mission and, and how we then uh, live out our faith in Jesus. Um, and we're thinking about probably one of the most significant passages for me in shaping my understanding of the why of mission this passage, uh, Matthew 9, is really important in Matthew's gospel. It's, it acts like kind of a marker in Matthew's gospel. Um, if you flip back in chapter 4 of Matthew's gospel, it, it's in chapter 4, verse 23, you'll see the similarity between uh, chapter 9, verse 35. This is what it says in chapter 4, 23. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Do you see the similarities between those two? They're almost like markers. Um, Jesus is teaching, and he's preaching, and he's healing. And in chapter 5 to 9, the bits that come in between this, we see Jesus is training his disciples. He's almost showing his disciples what it will look like to be on mission to go and to live for him and to share him with others. And so in, in chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, the disciples are going to hear from Jesus Christ here at this crucial point on what it looks like to go out into this world to live for him and what it's going to be like as well. 
before he then sends them out on mission in chapter 10, as you, as you look at that. And so these are significant, important verses in the whole context of this book. Now it's going to be time for the disciples not just to watch Jesus Christ, not just to listen to him, but now it's going to be the time for them to get involved in this mission. And here's the first thing I want us to see this morning. Verse 35, I want us to see Jesus' example on mission. Jesus' example on mission. Look what Jesus is doing. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. It's so easy to ignore that as kind of a throwaway statement, but it's so important that we get how significant this is. According to a historian of the day called Josephus, Galilee, this place that Jesus was in mission, had 204 cities or towns or villages, each of them with no fewer than 15,000 people in each town or village. So that's a large population that we're talking about, almost 3 million people. And Matthew says Jesus goes to all of those places. He doesn't leave a single place out on mission. Now, Northern Ireland has a population of about 1.8 million people. So that gives you an idea of the scope of this mission. Imagine doing a mission trip around all of Northern Ireland, not leaving anybody out, any place or context out, reaching the high flyers in Belfast city centre, the people in the council estates in Ballymena, the farmers out in the fields in Lorne, the fishermen in Enniskillen. I realise I've been in Giggle there, haven't I? So I apologise to the high flyers in Ballymena as well. But imagine not leaving any of those people out, any context on this disciple-making mission. It would be a huge task. But Matthew says that's the example that Jesus sets. It's what he started doing in chapter 4, verse 23, and it's what he has been doing throughout these last number of chapters, going throughout all of Galilee. No exclusivity. exclusivity. And this is really important for us to think about as a church because God's mission that we're called to be part of, it doesn't just mean reaching people like us, people who look like us or people who sound like us, people who dress like us or have interests like us. And maybe this is something that we need to think about as a church in the context that we're in, in the city that we're in here in Belfast. What does it look like for us to go and to reach people of a different socioeconomic background? People from a different side of the road, to put it like that. What does that look like for us as a church? We hear the echo of what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 28 and what he says to his disciples, make disciples of all nations. In one sense, that is all nations of the world. To the ends of the earth, he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That's where you're going to take God's kingdom. That's where it's going to extend to. But in another sense, this word, all, all nations, it's the word ethne, which is people groups. Different people groups. And Jesus is saying to his disciples here, God's mission is to reach every different places, from all different walks of life, all different people groups. And look at verse 35 again. He shows what God's mission looks like. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He's going to them. You notice that? Jesus isn't calling them to himself. He does that at other times. But here on this mission and what he's showing his disciples, the example he is setting is that he is going to the people. 
He's going to where the need is, to the streets that they live on, to the places of reference that they are comfortable with. And what's he doing? Well, it boils down to two things, really. Speaking and showing. Speaking and showing. He's speaking, he's teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, that God's promised Messiah, his promised king, has finally come. Lifting people out of their affliction and suffering, giving people a taste of God's kingdom here on earth. And it's no different for us. Throughout the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, we see that the disciple-making mission of this church is to speak of Jesus and to show Jesus. To speak of God's kingdom and show God's kingdom. We proclaim the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has come, that he has died and risen to life again, and that through his death and resurrection, we can be lifted out of our sin. We can be lifted from eternal death and given the hope of eternal life. That's the message we proclaim to this world, the good news of the gospel. But we also show with our lives the good news of the gospel, how the gospel transforms us and unites us. We give people a a taste of God's kingdom here on earth and show how the gospel makes sense of life. And the best place for us to do that is in community, together. Which is why we as a church, we talk about mission through community. We, We gather as missional communities across our city. We share the gospel and we share our lives with others. And as we do that, People hear the truth of the gospel, but they actually see the truth of the gospel lived out in us. They see the love that we have for each other. It's interesting. There's a book, Sam, uh, called uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World. It's written by a guy called Sam, an evangelist, and he talks about how community has a powerful role in forming our beliefs. So, for instance, imagine I stood in a room full of people that you know and you trust, And I tell you that I've built a working time machine. You'd think I was crazy, nuts. What are you on about? But imagine half the people in the room that you you know and trust say, yeah, I've seen it. I've been in it. I've experienced it. It's amazing. You'd start to think, maybe there is something in this. Suddenly the story becomes more plausible, doesn't it? Now, imagine all the people in the room. They're saying that they've been in it. They've experienced it. You're the one who is the outsider now because you don't believe that I've built a working time. Can you see how the story becomes more plausible because of community? Here's what Sam Chan says. People will find a story more believable if more people in their community, their trusted friends and family, also believe this story. This is where we see the value of mission through community, merging friendship spheres, Inviting friends who don't yet know others who do. Others in our community here. Going to the pub together. Going to the coffee shop together. Playing sport together. Doing the normal, natural things that we do every day. But doing it with gospel intentionality. Inviting others into it. And as those relationships form and develop over time... Uh, the believability of the gospel, if you want to put it like that, it becomes more plausible to those people who don't yet know Jesus. This takes time. 
It takes sacrifice and effort. It takes intentionality. It's not, not a silver bullet by any means when it comes to mission, but it's something important for us to think about again. So much more that we could say in this, but time doesn't allow me now. But very simply, here's what, what Jesus shows on mission. His example is that he is speaking about the kingdom of God, about the king, uh, and the mission is to show people the kingdom of God. Let's look secondly at, at the motivation on mission. Jesus' motivation on mission. What is it that motivates him on mission? Why is he doing what he is doing here? Well, look at verse 36. Look at his attitude. He had compassion for them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Crowds of people are following Jesus Christ. He's gaining a bit of a, a reputation for himself. Could have been thousands of people. And Jesus turns and he looks at this crowd of people and it says he had compassion for them. That word compassion, it's really strong and emotive in the original Greek. It, it, the word is gutso, which we get our English word gutted from. But really, gutted doesn't go far enough in explaining the way Jesus really felt. It literally means that, that Jesus got moved within him. He was deeply moved to his inner being. As he looked at this indiscriminate crowd of people, he felt compassion and pity, and his heart broke for them. Why does he feel that way? Look at verse 36, because he sees this crowd as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. To you and I, if we'd been there, just to, to our naked eye and to the disciples, well, this would have looked like a very normal bunch of people. People from all different walks of life, the rich, the poor, the influential and the nobodies, the insiders in society and the outcasts too. But Jesus looks at all of them and he sees them all the same way and he feels about them the same way. Because Jesus looks past the exterior and he looks right to the heart. He sees what's really going on in here, how desperately lost these people are without him without the good shepherd. He knows that they are hopeless in life. That word harassed, it literally means flayed, like torn apart. We might use the word frazzled or stressed. That's the way Jesus sees people who are without him. That word helpless, it literally means flattened, crushed, we might say burdened, wearied. And doesn't that describe so many people in our city of Belfast? Frazzled, stressed, weary, burdened by the pressures and struggles of life. Whether that be sickness or financial difficulties, the stress of a job, broken relationships. Life is hard in so many ways. And a lot of the time, people are just good at hiding it. They put on a good front, which is why we don't always see Jesus. Jesus sees past all of that. He looks right to the heart. He sees harassed, helpless sheep who are lost without him, and he feels deep compassion for them. And here's the thing. It might be easy for me, if I'm a Christian this morning, to read these verses and to forget that I am one of those sheep. 
I'd still be one of those lost, harassed, helpless sheep, but for the grace of God and Jesus, but for the compassion and love of my Savior. I need to remember this morning that Jesus once looked at me and he felt compassion for me. His heart broke for me. That's what motivated him to leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth to sacrifice himself on the cross. It was for you. And it was for me. Because of his love for us. He's the good shepherd who was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. To save his sheep from their bondage to sin. To save his sheep from eternal death and to raise them up to eternal life. How I need to be reminded of this every day the compassion and love of my Savior Jesus. That's what motivated Jesus on mission. And I realize that as I say that, there might be this sense of conviction. There always is for me as I read these verses. Because if you're a Christian this morning, we don't naturally feel that compassion and love for others. We don't see people the way Jesus Christ does. There are maybe some people that we, we feel a, a sense of compassion and pity for, a sense of love for family, close friends, but for a lot of others, neighbors, those that we play sport with, work colleagues, the guy who maybe cuts your hair, the other moms you meet at the park, feel that compassion and love for them very often. And I think it is because we don't see people like Jesus does. We're so focused a lot of the time on what we see on the outside. We forget what's really going on in here. We look at some people and they seem fine. They seem happy. Life seems all together for them. They have a, a good family, a good job. They're popular. Look at them. And we maybe begin to wonder, do they really need Jesus Christ? And then we look at others and they just seem so far from God. No interest in the gospel. Their life maybe is a mess. And we find ourselves wondering, how could they ever become a follower of Jesus Christ? Too far gone to our shame. We say things like that. Maybe not verbally, but we maybe think them in our hearts. But we need to remember the truth. There are countless people around us every day that we rub shoulders with every day. And without Jesus, they are sheep without a shepherd. Harassed, helpless, and lost. There was a guy called Dwight Moody an American evangelist in the 19th century who came to London for a big evangelistic event. Uh, and when he was here, there were several British pastors that wanted to go and, and meet this guy because uh, they wanted to find out how someone who was pretty poorly educated um, was so effective in winning thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And Moody, he took three of those guys to his hotel room and they stood the in London, they looked out and as they looked out, Moody said to them, he asked them, describe what you see, men. And one of them said, I see a, a, a man wearing a top hat, a woman uh, sitting on a bench with old clothes on, some kids playing with a ball. And then Moody, as he looked out of the window, he had tears rolling down his cheeks. One of the pastors turned and said, what do you see, Mr. Moody? And he said, brother, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day be lost forever 
if they do not find a savior in Jesus. We're not all going to be like the great American evangelist Dwight Moody. But I wonder if there's something that the Lord is awakening in our hearts that we see alive in his compassion, love for those who are lost. And it's so much harder to feel that tenderness or that compassion for others if we feel distant from them, which is one of the reasons I think we see Jesus going so much to people, on the move all the time in the Gospels. Perhaps one of the, the practical steps that we need to take in our missional, our missional living is just simply to be more intentional in, in sharing our lives with those who don't yet know Jesus. Being more than just acquaintances with people. Developing genuine, meaningful relationships. I've been so convicted over these last few weeks as I've preached this in Easton and thought about it more because I, a couple weeks before COVID, and rugby for me was one of the places in life that was just naturally a brilliant place to have relationships, meaningful relationships, deep relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. And I've realized it's so easy to just uh, congregate as Christians, to just get together with other Christian friends and never to spend any of my time, any of my week with those who don't yet know Jesus. For me, it's trying to work out where the mission fields are that God has called me to be now. When, when rugby has maybe been put to the side for now, where are the places that God has called me to be and to live and to share my faith in him? Just like what Jim was talking about, the people on my street the, the people who are there leaving off their kids to nursery school when I'm leaving off mine. People I play football with on a Monday night. Who are the people for you? Where has God placed you and called you to be missional for him? Look at your diary this week and, and genuinely ask yourself the question, how much of my am I spending with those who don't yet know Jesus? Have I got margin in my life for that? We don't do any of this to, to see people as a project. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we do this because we see people the way Jesus Christ does and we feel that compassion and that love for them just like Jesus. And living like this, it's going to cost us to live like this. It's probably going to make us more uncomfortable opening up our homes for a bit, inviting people around for dinner, maybe work colleagues that we don't really know that well but that we want to get to know a little bit better. What would it look like for you to go out with them for a drink or for coffee after work this week? Those mums that you meet at the school gate, what would it look like for you to go and to spend time with them at the park, inviting them to come along with you? Maybe inviting another uh, Christian friend to come with you too. That plausibility of community that we talked about earlier. Perhaps this is one of the ways that we need to, to think about growing in our missional living. Maybe this is something that COVID and all of the restrictions over the last year and a half have kind of taken away from us. Relationships that we did have, the way that we were living intentionally with the gospel. Maybe we've become a bit more comfortable and retreated into our homes just as everyone has over this last year and a half. Jesus was motivated by a deep love and compassion for the lost. And we must ask God, by his grace, to give us eyes to see people as Jesus does. 
and to fill it with compassion for others. And then let's finish with looking thirdly at Jesus' strategy on mission. Fueled by this compassion, Jesus turns to his disciples and look at what he says to them in verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to his harvest field. The picture, it changes from this farming picture of sheep to one of a field that's ripe and ready to be harvested. Now, I'm a, I'm a country boy at heart, so these are familiar pictures to me. Sheep, I'm well acquainted with sheep. Harvest fields, see them all the time when I'm back in Ballymena. But maybe for you townies, you city slickers here in Belfast, you don't know. So on the screen, you'll see what Jesus saw. This is what he saw. A giant harvest field, ripe and ready to be harvested. It's not a, a pessimistic picture when Jesus looks at the harvest out there. One that's filled with optimism, hope. See what Jesus is doing with this image? He sees the crowds of people as sheep without a shepherd to invoke that compassion. But then he turns to his disciples and he says, look at the harvest that is ready. Because he wants to prime them for action. He wants to send them out. There is hope on mission, masses of people across the world, across our city of Belfast, who are ripe and ready to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. And a ripe harvest needs workers. Do you notice how Jesus doesn't call them believers or, or he doesn't say that believers are few or, or that Christians are few? He says workers are few, laborers are few. Those who are ready to, to go out there and to get into the harvest field, there's not so many of them. We're 60, 80 people as a church in this room. A tiny number of people in the small corner of this big city. And maybe you're thinking what the disciples might have been thinking back then. What are we going to be able to do, Jesus? What could we do in this harvest field? And look what Jesus' brilliantly simple strategy is on mission. Look at verse 38. Pray and Go. And pray earnestly for more workers to be raised up to get out into the harvest field and go. In chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples. And in Matthew 28, he sends them out into all the world. And that's the great commission that has been given to you and to me this morning. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Pray and go. That's the simple strategy. And I can make it. But here is where mission starts. It starts on our knees before the Lord. We pray fundamentally because the harvest field belongs to him, not to us. And as we pray, we show our dependence on him. We show that when we go out on mission for the Lord Jesus, we do not go in our own strength, but we go in his. We totally depend on him for the harvest. He's the one who's in charge. He's the one who sends us and he's the one who promises to always be with us. Remember that incredible promise at the end of Matthew 28? Surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. When you go for Jesus this week, Jesus will be there. When you're chatting to a work colleague about what you did at the weekend and you mention that you were at church on Sunday, Jesus is there with you. When you go this week, 
and you're serving someone who lives in your street, being generous with your time or your money or your resources, you go and Jesus is there with you. Jesus is always with us. And if there is going to be a harvest time in Belfast, it will be because the Lord has been at work. So we're called to pray to him. We're called to to ask him as the Lord of the harvest to send us out. J.C. Riley is a well-known pastor and he said this, never, never may we forget that if we want to do good for the world, if we want to do good for Belfast, our first duty is to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. So will, will you make that your first duty this week? To pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Pray for your own heart. If the Lord needs to awaken something in you, if he needs to to give you eyes to see others as he does. And why not pray this week specifically for three people in Christ? Pray for for an opportunity to serve them. Pray for opportunities to share something of your faith with them. Pray for God to send you out and pray that God would send others out into his harvest field as well. That he would raise up more church planters like Nathan and Emily in Belfast, in, in Ireland, but across the world as well. Pray for, for um, organizations like Avant who are faithfully raising up leaders and sending them out into places that the gospel is so desperately needed in our world. And as we pray this week, As we pray, watch our confidence in mission be restored or renewed or strengthened. Because yes, the the task might seem, others might seem huge. The harvest is indeed plentiful and the workers are few. But Jesus, he possesses all power and authority in heaven and on earth. He has all power and authority to raise people from eternal death to eternal life. And he has all power and authority to win the nations to himself. He doesn't need us one bit, Jesus Christ, but one incredible privilege that he sends us as his people into this world. And as we finish, a question you might be asking is, does this strategy even work? Do our endeavors on mission even make a difference? Well, I preached this passage in East a few weeks ago. And on that morning that we had a service in our church, the first that we've had in a long time, we baptized a guy who visited our church in May for the first time. First time he'd been in a church building. He listened for those last few months to God's word being taught. And he became part of an MC in that time. People met with him and uh, read that and wanted them to understand what it looks like to, to follow Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, that guy put his faith in Jesus just about eight weeks ago. For me, it was such a, a needed, a much needed reminder that the Lord is very much still at work that the harvest field is his and that he is still calling people to himself. He's still using our weak and seemingly insignificant and feeble efforts to change people's eternal future forever. Isn't that amazing? We get to be part of what he is doing. As I said, he doesn't need us. 
that he chooses to use. We ask him to use us, to send us out. Pray this week to the Lord of the harvest. Pray that he would send us out into his harvest field and pray that many lost, harassed, helpless sheep in this world, in our city, would come to know the truth about Jesus and would put their faith in him. Let me pray for us now. Father, we thank you for the reminder this morning of the love and the compassion that you have for each one of us. Lord, it's so undeserved. We've turned away from you in our own hearts. We've chosen to worship and to treasure the created things in this world rather than you as the creator of all things, our loving creator. Father, reason whatsoever for you to rescue us from our sin, for you to to offer us the hope of eternal life. There's no reason for that, Lord, but you are gracious and merciful. You are compassionate and loving towards each one of us. And we thank you that in Jesus, we see the, the ultimate picture of that in him dying on the cross for us, giving himself so that we might have life. Father, we pray that we would begin to see people more and more as you do. People we work with, people we play sport with, people who we rub shoulders with every day, Lord. May we see them with eyes like Jesus Christ and may we feel that compassion and knowing that by Jesus they are lost, harassed, helpless sheep in this world. Lord, we were once those sheep, but only by your grace, Lord, can we say that we have been saved by the Good Shepherd. Father, I pray that um, with that that sense of conviction maybe we have this morning, that um, we'll go from here not weary by the task maybe that we we sense that we have, Lord, the task that you call us to go on um, as we we live for you and as we speak of you in this world. But Lord, that we will be um, light, and that we will go here from here, Lord, empowered by your spirit, knowing that you're always with us as we go and, and as we represent you in this world. But Lord, knowing as well that we're not the ones who do any of the saving. We're not the ones who bring salvation to anyone. It's you. You're the Lord of the harvest. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just use our efforts to bring glory to your name and you would use us to be those who call people to come to Jesus, to know life in Jesus, and to be reconciled to you. Lord, we thank you for the great reminder in these verses this morning. And we pray, Lord, as we think of our mission as a church more in these next few weeks, as we dig into this a bit more, Lord, you'll equip us, uh, and Lord, you'll send us out. um, And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.